This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Happy New Year. Con Giovanni, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. A year later than expected, but finally we can dig into Euro 2020. The big show kicks off with Italy and Turkey on Friday as 24 teams will be whittled down to one by July 11th. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Second Heart, and joining me is Andrew Conway. Hello. Andrew, what are we even calling this thing? Is it Euro 2020? Is it Euro 2021? Help me out here. Euro 2020 trademarked by UEFA in 2012 or something whenever they ended up doing this um I don't know why they didn't give a shot at trying to make it Euro 2021 it seems a bit silly um that they didn't given everything else that happened or just call it the European Championships and try and get over it it's going to be we haven't even got into it yet but it's going to be bizarre watching all the television coverage come up with probably graphics that say Euro 2020 and it's like uh this you know June 15th at uh, June 15, 2021, we're going to celebrate 2020. You know, that sort of uh, funny nomenclature is going to be ever-present throughout this tournament. Um, I still think it'll probably be called Euro 2020 and history will remember it as Euro 2020. I think the European Championships has this weird thing of getting associated with random events in the world, such as, you know, Den- uh, Denmark and uh, Yugoslavia being... Yugoslavia being banned in 92 and Denmark going and winning the thing out of nowhere. This is going to be another one of those weird things. It's like, huh, the tournament was meant to happen in 2020 and was still called Euro 2020, but didn't happen for a year because there was a global pandemic that people in 50 years mightn't even remember. Um, it is funny. a pretty good, it is a pretty good tribute to that, actually. That's a good point. Because yeah. I, was, I was thinking as well, like I do, I do enjoy UEFA, like doing the whole, well, let's just pretend it's still 2020 because like in many ways it still is. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's good someone is finally recognizing the plight of a normal society where we also feel like it's 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. hasn't even started yet. So in many ways, I respect it, uh, even if it is ultimately actually just a form of uh, corporatism, keeping our trademarks and all of that and stuff. Yeah, really, it, it's for the people. This is the tournament for the people. Yeah, and if you look ahead, like the next couple of years, the Qatar World Cup coming up, this could be the best, biggest international tournament for the next five years uh, until, or even, yeah, next five years because until the next World Cup comes along in the USA in twenty twenty six, I want to say, um, this could be the kind of the big one that everyone remembers because I'm I. <laughs> I know it's very early days for the Qatar World Cup, but if that goes ahead as as planned, it could be an absolute car crash of an event. At um, least uh, there won't be as big a way for Euro 2024 as well, even though do we know where that's even being held at this point? Which is very weird, um, so close to the tournament. Do not know. Yeah, I, I don't think we do. Um, it's, it's something, I suppose it's all messed up because of everything and it was supposed to happen. Um, German territory. Okay, it's going to be on in Germany. Really? I was thinking it was yeah, supposed Ger- to be the Germany it's it it's on in Germany. Oh, I thought um it was gonna be there Sweden, go. Norway, Denmark. No? The, the... UEFA Euro twenty twenty four, unless I'm looking at the wrong this is definitely football. Yes. Foosball Europe yeah, because the Meister staff shaft. Mm. The compound word is there. Anyway, we're getting distracted, but yeah, in twenty seventeen it was warded. Turkey were the other uh 
country in contention for this and they got four votes and Germany got 12 and there was one absentation, whoever did that, uh, absentation, whatever the word is. Um, so yeah, Germany's hosting it, similar similar lineup, basically the same lineup for the 2006 World Cup, Berlin, Munich, Dortmund, Gelsenkirchen, Hamburg, Stuttgart, Dusseldorf, Cologne, Frankfurt and Leipzig. Um, so yeah, similar to the last time around and uh, no, the it's World the same Cup, format as the, well. The World Cup in uh, 2006 is pretty good, so we'll look forward yeah, to that and, as well. And Euro 88 Germany had as well, which wasn't a bad tournament. Um, and some would say, you know, 74 was decent as well, despite the crazy weather. Anyway, we're got way off topic. Yeah, the, the other thing I was going to say about the fact that it is happening in 2021 is, you know, all those kind of on this day posting that usually happens mm. in the, the barren summers. It's always multiples of four, which are just kind of unsatisfying. Like, who remembers what happens four years ago? You know, that's kind of boring. Now we'll have tournaments where we can remember them five years ago when there's other oh. tournaments going on. So that'll be a nice, like, kind of... Excitement, yes. Nice uh, change of pace there. <laughs> um, we'll have five years ago and nine years ago to look at uh, for those years. That'll be very dumb. Um but as as I mentioned, uh, Italy and Turkey is going to be the first game. How does that feel as like a first game? You know, how does it compare to France Romania was twenty sixteen's first game? Yeah, like you have. I don't know what the story will be with crowds. I don't foresee them being a massive crowd at that match. I think it's in Rome, isn't it? The opening match. Mm. Um, there will be so a crowd. Play. That is like that is the guarantee. Yeah, they, it's guaranteed to be just twenty five percent of the Olympic Stadium, which even at the best of times, well. Maybe in Italia 90s, that, that one exception, but like the best of times, normally you don't get much of an atmosphere at the Olympic Stadium uh, in in Rome. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I don't think maybe the, you know, there'll be a good Turkish contingent there as well, I'd imagine, from even locals in, in Rome. So maybe that could give it a bit more of a spice to it. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting match. Like, I'm, Italy isn't my, like, I think, you know, they miss, obviously missed out in the World Cup, so that was a bit of a, a shock at the time. Uh, for everyone involved in, in 2018 but Italy are back now the Mancini's in at the helm they have a lot of good players if not exceptional they don't have the they're out of the generation winning uh, World Cup winners from 2006 they're all gone now I think um, I'm pretty confident Pirlo and uh, Buffon were probably the last uh, hangers on from that uh, thing and now they have a, a good mix of youth and, and experience but not of the same quality um, but Turkey and the on the other opposite end are filled with youth and very little experience, so it could be a, a clash of styles. In that, I I expect it to be a, a relatively dour game <laughs> filled with a lot of defensive football, similar to the stuff we've seen over the last year and a bit, uh, COVID football, if you will. And I think both teams' styles plays into the you know a continuation of that, especially, you know. I know they've had a few weeks to train and a few weeks off from, from competitive football, but I'd still say they're probably empty. The tank is probably empty going into this match for both sides. So there'll be, I think it'll be an interesting match and not a lot of goals in it. Yeah, like it's it, it, it's actually probably one of the more interesting ones in terms of like, mm. not like France-Romania, France were obvious favourites in that match. Although yeah. Romania made it close. Uh, you know, other ones like Poland, what was it, Poland-Austria in um, 2012 or 20, 2008. Uh, I think it was 2008, was Poland-Austria was the first game. Like, that was, you know, two kind of B, C-tier nations. No offense to them, but, like, they're not uh, they're not one of the big names, one of the teams we associate with winning tournaments. They were kind of, oh, yeah, you know, this is a 
kind of normal enough opening game. You know, this could have been mm-hmm. a normal Saturday early kickoff game on a busy day. Um, whereas this one, you could envisage it being a proper night game because it seems like the way that they've scheduled it is like the, you know, it's it's what a two o'clock kickoff, a five o'clock kickoff, and an eight o'clock kickoff every day to mm-hmm. the groups. And the eight o'clock games will be the marquee ones um, most of the time, except maybe on the weekends. Um, so. Yeah. You know, this this fits the bill of an eight o'clock kickoff. Um, you know, going through that because I think these two are probably the two best teams in that group. Italy, as we know, always grow into the tournaments. The yes. wonderful cliche of Italy. Uh, but Turkey, you know, they they were pretty good in qualifying as well. I think they might be a bit of a surprise of this tournament. They they have the potential to surprise of this tournament. So this could be a bit of a fun game, um, as an opening one. Um, you know, hopefully it, it'll be. Hopefully, the fact that it is the first game might uh spur on a few risk taking moves might get a might get a few goals but uh one, the italians one... uh, no i don't I, I don't think so so roberto mancini no yeah one could dream uh yeah. but in general um how do you feel about the tournament what do you see any any breakout stars or any particular side that you think we should be looking out for well i've been watching like a lot of things coming into it it's uh, i'm getting more excited about uh, than i was with the end of the 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 normal club season i think that very much petered out i know we got a couple of different things happening as it came through we got a you know a surprise enough champions league final makeup but the, i think the european super league helped to tank my my enthusiasm for this uh, already waning uh, club season um but this has kind of injected something a bit different you know where we're waiting for an international tournament to come up i think a lot of the teams involved a lot of the players involved have seen this as a a breakaway opportunity there's going to be fans in the stadium you know not a huge amount in a lot of in a lot of the cases but there will be fans there so that'll add a bit more to it i think the players will be more up for it and we're going to see a lot of a lot of teams that you know haven't been either ever in in the in big international tournament or haven't been around in a long time or at least haven't been of a good enough quality in a long time i'm thinking the likes of the czechs to the ukrainians uh, and then the new the new faces we're seeing from finland and north macedonia um, and and even to a to a lesser extent hungary who while you know historically have have a bit of a history in, in tournaments uh, i think this could be their last one for for quite a while so it'll be interesting to see how they do out of it yeah, like uh, this is the first tournament. Obviously, it's the second time they've done the twenty four teams in the tournament, which uh, you know some people are vehemently against, of which I feel you are one of them. But uh, you know, I think yes. it, it has its advantages with this new format that they've come up through the Nations League qualification, where we've seen uh, some of the kind of lesser, uh, not lesser, is probably higher, smaller nations coming in, like North Macedonia. Like there's a good story mm. there of Goran Pandev getting into a tournament. He stuck around. Still playing, still going, and and he, he went because he knew getting to the Oros was a realistic opportunity, and it's a, and it's a chance for someone who you know won the treble with Inter uh, yeah. eleven years ago. It's his chance to do something at a national stage. You know, we don't expect them to pull up trees at the tournament itself. You know, maybe they'll uh, get a point, maybe they'll nick a result against someone, but no one's expecting too much from them. I think most people will probably predict them to get zero points out of this. But for a country like uh, Macedonia, like you wouldn't expect them to get to a tournament, and it's like their moment in the sun, uh, yeah. which I think is, is a positive thing. And I think if we kept the sixteen-team format, we wouldn't have gotten that. No. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think there are positives. To the you know what I think is a bloated format. Like I do think twenty-four teams is a bit much, and it's an awkward number. Um, and for the European Championships, definitely. Yeah, it, and it I, just doesn't work. Ultimately, it could end up with them going to a 32-team tournament, which would be kind of oh. absurd. Um, but 
again, I do think it is good for smaller countries to get in and get their moment. Otherwise, and, and you know, it's obvious for us to say that as someone from as people from Ireland, where we don't get our moment in the sun very often either. Uh, we no. didn't even qualify for it this time, such as the the dire straits, the national side at the moment. Uh, although yeah. we beat Andorra, which is good news. Um, <laughs> just about, just, ju- about. just about. I hammered them really in the end. You know, we gotta gotta take the positives. Uh, yeah, but, like one striker scores two goals. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's ultimately like this is obviously it's a tournament to decide the winner, but it's also a celebration of European football. And I think it is good to recognize, uh, you know, countries like Macedonia and even Hungary who have a great history in European football, but aren't quite what they they were um, today. So like I think it is it is great. Like, that is the advantage of having the 24 teams. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't expect much from North Macedonia, but I think it's good to shout out, and it's a story to keep an eye on with uh, Goran Panda specifically for them, because I, I think it's a great moment for him to kind of cap off his career. Like, I assume that'll be that for him. He's like 42 years old, I think. So um, yeah. I, think, I think that is a great moment that, that we can look forward to. Yeah, like I, I hear what you're saying about the, the, the chances of these smaller nations. I'd almost be in favour if they do go to a 32-team tournament that they'd almost break it in half uh, based on, you know, send 16 and 16 <laughs> and send the, the lower-ranked, or not the lower-ranked, but the lower-qualified 16 teams into a pre-qualifying tournament that starts, say, now for a week where it's just straight knockout and then they go into the, you know, the, the second round of it. And I think that could keep everyone happy. Um, but yeah, for for as long as this continues, which will be at least till twenty twenty four, uh, as we're led to believe, um, yeah, I'd say this is going to give a good opportunity smaller nations to get in, and who knows who we'll have next time round. Yeah, because like I, 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 the Euros is a good chance, I think, to experiment with for, tournament formats. Like I think that's actually an interesting idea, um, and it would be interesting for them to start like messing around with it because like the world cup yeah. is, is changing format i kind of obviously I, I don't think that's the right format i think there's maybe other ways to change the format of the world cup while still keeping it 32 teams maybe you know how many countries we get from each continent i think is where they should have yeah. taken some from europe frankly um because the last couple yeah. of world cups have started to feel a bit like a mini euros especially in russia where i think brazil were the only brazil and uruguay were the only non European teams uh, in the quarterfinals and then you only had like Argentina and uh, Japan in the last 16 I think were the only and Colombia were the only other non-Europe so yeah. that's like almost every European team that qualified for the World Cup got to the knockout stages almost so um, in many ways that 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 is where I would have moved the, the format there but to go back to the mm. Euros like you know we have to make two of what we have the third the third place going through like it is a good chance for someone smaller to get into a knockout game like we probably wouldn't have gotten Iceland a situation like Iceland who actually came second in the group I think in 2016 but yeah. it would have been harder for Iceland to get through I think um, because they, they knew the odds were so much more stacked against them in, in 2016 yeah. if it was a 16 team tournament same with Northern Ireland as well and even Ireland uh, for us yeah, we, Ireland we wouldn't have got in and, and it's good for these countries as well who, you know, aren't quite as small as North Macedonia but aren't as big enough to be Germany where they can do this every time uh, and get in and get knockout experience because there, it is different experiencing a knockout game as well. Um, so, like, that Ireland-France game I thought was, was really good. I remember at halftime when Ireland were one up. Like, that was a great, great little 15 minutes there where we thought we might actually <laughs> yeah. do something. Um, Could you imagine? 
Yeah. Uh, so, like, I think there's potential there. Oh, and then we had Portugal who came third in the group and won yeah. the competition. That that like could could we see that happen again this time? Yeah, I I it it's entirely possible given how especially some of the groups are laid out. Like there is, in my opinion, you can make an argument that there is two point five groups of death. There is definitely one group of death, and and we'll come to that. But there is there's two other groups in the lower half of the draw that you could easily see a third place team going far in this tournament. You know the way it's drawn out and the way that the teams will play third place team will play another place team and, and, and can get further in the tournament as a result of that and get an easier draw maybe the way Portugal did in the in the last Euros um, you could easily see the likes of a third place team going far in this tournament I'm, I'm looking like maybe England maybe you know Spain or, or Poland or Sweden or maybe even Portugal themselves again uh, could very much go deep into this tournament if, if they do finish in third place yeah, and like I suppose the drawback of that is it is kind of a backdoor get out of jail free card for yeah. a country like Portugal, who you know normally if they come third, it's it's a disaster for them. Yeah. Um, but I think the the pros outweigh the cons because you know you still have to win four knockout games to win the tournament, and at that point, or you have to go through from four knockout games, I should say, because Portugal did win a game or two on penalties, if I remember correctly. So. Uh-huh. Um, you still have to, you know, manage your way through four knockout games to to actually just to win the competition. So at that point, it's it kind of it washes away the dirtiness of not even being able to win a group game because uh, they drew their three group yeah. group games. And and, and there are just, any yeah, you yeah, go ahead. It was just you know you you think of it that way. It is bad. It it does make you feel a bit unclean uh, the way they went about and won the tournament. But then you just have to think back to older World Cups where they did have this twenty four team system, and it was very common for teams to to as you said about Italy to grow into the tournament to play very conservatively in the early group matches and work their way through, even finishing third in their group, hoping for uh, you know someone to do a favor them to finish the best runners up, if, if you will, best third place team. And then they start switching it on in the knockout phases. And, you know, Italy did it in the past when they went to win a World Cup in 82. Um, we've seen the Germans do it in the past, I think, in 74. We've seen um, even, I think, Argentina did it themselves, I believe, in 1990 after losing to Cam- did they lose Cameroon. Or was that in 82 they lost to Cameroon in the first match? I forget now. But, you, you know, you've seen it in the past. And if you think of it that way, it makes Portugal's victory a little more easy to take. Yeah, kind of like a throwback in a way to the, the yeah. early early eighties, late nineties, or early nineties. Mm. But mm. Uh, in terms of like teams, the tournament or any are there, are there any specific players? Like, there's actually a few in England I think that could kind of make a, a splash on the scene. Or are there any managers even that might uh, surprise you? Looking around, like Paulo Souza at Poland, because he's always flattered to deceive as a manager. I think he's one of the standout managers for me, um, because. You know he has a, a group of talented players. A Poland mix of, of of youth and experience has a top goal scorer in, in 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 Robert Lewandowski who can really do it when it counts. And he has you know returned to fitness. Is going to be hungry after his Champions League disappointment of missing out in the that game against Paris Saint Germain for Bayern earlier in the season. And he'll be raring to go. And I think the the group they have is them to be winnable. Like we and. If Souza, who has had, I think he had Leicester City for a time. He was in Italy as well, managing for a while. Um, did he have Swansea and Wigan as well? I think uh, as a manager, I think he was Swansea manager before Brendan Rodgers, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. So he has a bit of you know history as a ma- as a manager doing well. You know, as a player, he obviously won the Champions League. I think at two clubs. I think he won it at. Did he win it at Juventus and Borussia Dortmund or? 
he definitely played for both teams anyway and, and definitely won at least one Champions League title. Um, so he, he is a guy that has won things and, you know, uh, this Polish side could be going places. Uh, they, they have a, a decent enough group. Um, Player-wise, I'm looking, like, the French players, you can't really look past their first team. You know, obviously, Egola Kante had a very good end of the season and winning, culminating in the Champions League victory. But, you know... Uh, Kylian Mbappe is in that side Kareem Benzema Kareem Benzema is back as well although I don't know is like is Kareem Benzema the answer to the to the problem they need maybe he is maybe he's the foil that that is needed to um, facilitate Mbappe to go on and score a hell of a lot more goals than he has been um, and you know there, there's other players in that side that, that could do well as well but then you yeah you talk, you do speak a lot about England and while I don't think Gareth Southgate is tactically the best manager in the world he is I think a decent international manager and a decent England manager he, he seems to be able to cope with that pressure quite well he was there as a player he took it very well as a player and he's thus far has taken it well as a manager um I I, I think he'll do better than Roy Hodgson did at the last Euros <laughs> uh but that wouldn't be very difficult I don't think but um the players themselves this is Harry Kane I think possibly his his peak of his powers at the moment as, as a footballer and it could be his you know real chance at winning a, a bit of silverware for the first time in his career but you again mentioned the Jaden Sancho Jude Bellingham if he, if he gets a run in this in this England team which is eminently possible if if injuries uh, continue the way they are expected to continue for England and fitness concerns continue he could really be a breakout star in, in a way that they haven't seen since maybe Wayne Rooney in 2004 yeah, and uh, like I think there's pretty good stories in every group in that way. Like I think Ukraine as well could be a, an interesting yeah. surprise because they've got Andrei Shevchenko as manager. Like how how cool yeah. is that? Like one of the one of the great strikers of the mid two thousands, late nineties. Like that is yeah. a fantastic story, and they did really well um, in qualifying for the group as well. They yeah. were pretty comfortable uh, in getting through, so that's a pretty exciting. Uh, story the Netherlands are back uh, they've not been at yeah. a tournament for a while Scotland are back they've not been at oh, any tournament God. for quite a while Wales are back as well after they did so well um, in the Euros last time and missed out on the World yeah. Cup thanks to Ireland uh, should be said uh, good job good job James McLean <laughs> James McLean Jeff Hendrick uh, you know yeah. get, getting the job done so you know it'll be interesting to see you know Gareth Bale kind of hinted that he's got a big move planned in the summer is it retirement is this the last we'll see of Gareth Bale <laughs> Uh, you it, know, it could well be, you know. Big, big question. I, he could move, there. Yeah, just he could just be a Wales international, Gareth Bale. He could, he could <laughs> retire from. He just says, "Oh, it's okay, Florentina. You can just pay me my salary, and I and I won't have to play anymore, and I'll just play for Wales." Um, yeah, it, it could be very interesting. The one thing I want to say about the Ukraine, and we'll, we might talk about the Netherlands as well very briefly, but definitely the Ukraine and Andrei Shevchenko. He he's brought this group through. There are a lot of young players. They're one of the youngest teams in the in the tournament overall. Um, but another thing that really is a is a plus mark against them is a lot of them play for one or two clubs. It's it's mostly a team made up of players from either Dynamo Kiev or, or um, what's the name of the other team in in, in uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Yes. Um, which you know, if you anyone watched them in the Champions League earlier in the season, like Dynamo Kiev were quite good if it wasn't for some really silly goalkeeping which I know is going to follow them into this tournament as well they probably could have progressed further than they ended up doing in Europe this season so a very good group of young players who are very closely knitted together in a way similar to the Dynamo Kiev side that Shevchenko himself played for in the late 90s um, so there are a lot of those players could be going elsewhere this summer uh, seeing how, how the transfer market goes but yeah I think they're they're a, a good 
a good shout for a bit of a surprise package, and I definitely foresee them getting out of that group. The Netherlands, the only concern I have them is with them is really their defence, and I don't know how they'll cope with the lack of Virgil van Dijk. I know they have, you know, De Ligt there, and he's a phenomenal centre-half when he wants to be, but he's had a bit of an indifferent season, in my opinion. I know he had injuries at Juventus, but he's come out and while he has adapted I think well to the pressures of a centre-back at Juventus and maybe it wasn't as rosy and happy as he thought it might have been when he went there um, I'm, I'm still unsure about how his form is going into this and he's going to have to step up and be the, the, the true leader at the heart of that defence which I don't know if he's there yet despite that I think the Netherlands will have a good tournament This kick can decide it all The nation holds its breath. Yes, we're We've discussed what we want to see happen, but what do we think will actually happen? Are our hopes for an underdog winner, just naivety and blind optimism, in action, or will the tournament favourite all crush those who dare to stand in their path? At this point, it's very hard to see how it won't be the tournament favourites that just crush everyone in, in their path. Like, I know we've done, we've looked at matchups that could happen during this tournament, and I don't know about you, but for me, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm looking at France, and I'm like, yeah, France will probably beat that opposition. France will probably beat that opposition. Even if there is a close call, I'm going with the the better players on paper. And really, despite Paris Saint-Germain having the weird ending season that they did and not winning the league in Ligue 1, the majority of French players in that squad have had a pretty decent season and have done well for themselves um, through the season. So, I, you know, it, it is looking a bit like a, a, a favourites to win tournament in much more of a way than say it did in 2016 or in, in even tournaments before then in, in 2012 or 2008 which were probably and even 2004 obviously when Greece won which were probably a <laughs> bit more of an open open uh, I don't say open casket because that's not the term but they were much more of an open book from the, from the get-go now this tournament could transform into that but at this point you're looking at the smaller sides and they've had to face a tough season uh, like everybody else and you, the bigger teams just have that strength and depth through their squad when you look at Germany or France even if they have bad tournaments even if players have bad games or have to be subbed or taken off their bench is so strong that they, they're probably going to beat the majority of teams they face yeah so I suppose we should look at not just France but as well like the the usual suspects of mm. Italy and, and Spain and, and Germany like they are the teams we kind of associate with the semi-finals and the final and actually lifting the trophy like you know you talk a lot about France there and I think France are I think the overwhelming favourites yeah, for a lot of people they're, they're the world champions as well um, you know we talked about um, their squad earlier and like you know I think the addition of Gary Benzema is actually you know I think that could be a pretty big moment for them like it could be the added dimension that they kind of need to differentiate themselves from that World Cup team mm. because you know, Olivier Giroud was a quality player. He's not at all what he was. Um, you know, I don't think... 107 caps. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they could really use Giroud in the same way that they, they did in the World Cup. So Benzema being able to come in. We've all seen how good he is at facilitating um, mm. bigger players. And we've all seen how he stepped up at Real Madrid in the last couple of years since Ronaldo's left and kind of taken the mantle as their key goal scorer. Like, he, he yeah. can do both. 
Um, like the, and, and it's been funny seeing him interact with the players as well. Like they all, it's clear they have like a great respect for Benzema. Like they're all very happy he's there. Um, mm. And we know how important harmony is for the French camp. Uh, you know, they they all kind of stick together. Uh, and you know, even for Didier Deschamps, I, I think one of the key things for him and why he kind of excluded certain players for so long is because he didn't think they'd mesh well with the group. Um, mm. you know, so I think that that's an important uh additional factor for France with Spain. You know, they've had a, a scare this week with Sergio Busquets testing positive for COVID. Yeah, that's uh, a that's something I want to raise with you because <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I've avoided speaking too much about Spain so far because, um, yeah, there we'll see how that materializes and how you know how bad that outbreak for lack of a better phrase is in the Spain squad, but as it stands. Um, Spain will have to. There, I think they have a friendly coming up, a, one final pre pre tournament mm-hmm. friendly coming up this week, and they've submitted to FIFA, I presume, as a as the friendly coordinators or friendly adjudicators, their under twenty one squad as the squad for the team, uh, which would worry you considering that if this is not resolved by the end of the week, I'd imagine they'd either have to withdraw or just submit the under twenty one side as the as the team to enter into Group E, and that could change the whole complexion of the tournament and certainly that group. Yeah, like I think that's um, that's gonna be the big story. I think to keep an eye on this week, obviously, because that has such huge ramifications for every team. Uh, hopefully, they they have enough time between now and their first game to kind of figure everything out. Like a, you know, the tournament doesn't start till Friday, and then their first game is I think Monday or Tuesday. So they do yeah. have a bit of time. Obviously, they they if if players are testing positive, they won't be able to turn up. But maybe they'll. Uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they were like, oh, you know, for exceptional circumstances, we'll allow the under-21 squad to play the first group game or the second game even. And then if they progress, it can be a bit more fluid with what the squad is for the third mm. group game or whatever, if they if they want to be a bit fair to, to Spain. That that is kind of the fear, I think, of the overall tournament. And the fact that, like I was thinking about this earlier, like the, the Champions League last season in the mini tournament in Portugal like that worked so well because it was all confined to Lisbon basically and it was yeah. the same with the Europa League in Cologne you know insisting on doing this tournament across Europe could be the tournament's downfall um, which is kind of scary to think about and it yeah. would look it would look very um, terrible really for UEFA if, yeah. if it is to be like given the, the warning signs that are there especially now that the warning signs are starting to become a bit brighter uh, mm. with this with this case this week. Hopefully, everything is sorted out. Sorted out. Like I, I wish obviously the Spanish players the best. Um, yeah. In their recovery for it, if they are testing positive. Yeah, they've only lost their captain so far and their most experienced player in Sergio Busquets. And you yeah. know, waiting in the wings as always is a uh, another Sergio. Um, will this be Ramos' revenge? Uh, <laughs> yeah. If he has to come in and captain and maybe manage the under twenty one side. <laughs> In, in the European Championships come uh, as you said next Tuesday when when they I don't know whether I, I need to check the rules but I don't know whether they have to have the squad finalised by I know the squads are meant to be finalised now but whether they uh, it's Friday that the last date or whether they'll be given a bit of dispensation because of the unique circumstances of COVID um, but yeah given like I, the only thing I can say about Spain is lucky they're, or they're fortunate they weren't in Scotland's group because I know the, the Scottish um the matches that have been held in Scotland are under, I think, stricter measures medically-wise than, than other venues for the European Championships this summer. Um, so I don't think Spain could even have fielded a team against Scotland in Scotland if they were in Group D. 
Mm. Hopefully that um that shakes up and it all works out for everyone, because like Spain, uh, as they were, were one of the one of the favorites as well. Uh, obviously they're in that kind of the scary look. Or no, they're not in the scary looking group F. They're in Group E, the more kinder looking Group E. Uh, I think most people would have them to get out of that group as the comfortable favorites, and then their route to a, a semi final is pretty kind. I feel from there. So, like, they have the potential, despite not having a, a great squad, you know, relative to a few years ago when they were winning every tournament. Like, they still have a decent squad. It does kind of lack a killing edge, uh, you know, mm. to, to see off games. Probably in a more traditional Spanish sense that they they, they have a lot of, yeah. you know, passy players, you know, score score goal kind of players. Yeah. Uh, to, to has played, had a good summer or a good season relative for him. So maybe that, you know, that could be a bit of a something for Spain. But yeah, I think there's a bit lacking in that overall team to, to see. And especially if if Luis Enrique hasn't isn't on the best of terms with some of the players in the team <laughs> from leaving out certain other players, then maybe uh, it, it won't be great for them. And then what about Germany? You know, they've got uh, a lot of history behind them as a tournament team. They've they've won the Euros uh, plenty the most times of anyone I believe they they have a great history uh, as well in the World Cup, but last World Cup didn't go so well. Yogi Love on his way out the door, you know. Do they give him? Do they send him off with a great farewell, or is this kind of me going to be a bit more of the same as we've seen in the last few years? Well, like Yogi Love has done a very interesting tactical change again, and it's. He like it's one thing you can I I have to have respect for him because when he originally took over and continued the work of Jurgen Klinsmann into Euro two thousand eight, we were like, oh, he's just doing the same old. He's continuing it. Fair play to him. He's kept it going. They've done well. They got to the final. Everything was was great. But then when we came two thousand ten and he decided to offload the majority of the squad and bring in a bunch of young new young players and change the way they play. And then as that transformed into twenty twelve when he decided to play more of a passing game and then into twenty fourteen where they effectively played without a striker or they played with kind of a second striker up front system and that won them the, the World Cup in twenty fourteen. You had to give him a lot of credit for his tactical nous and you know, no matter how bad the last couple of tournaments have gone for Germany, you know, you can always kind of rely that Yogi Love is probably better than you give him credit for. And he's kind of doing it again now. Like, I know they had some shaky... They had a shaky qualifying, to say the least. They lost and they lose to Macedonia, I want to say, very recently. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if that was an actual qualifying match, as it turned out for... I think it was, in, was it? Uh, yeah, it must have been. It was a World Cup qualifying match, probably. Yeah, and they ended up losing it. And, you know, he's he's gone to this weird formation to suit the player the best players he has um to kind of bring out the best of everybody he, he's basically br- playing a very withdrawn striker whether that'll end up being thomas muller to start or kai havertz or um timo werner or someone in, the, in that ilk to kind of bring link up the play and then send on the 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 two bayern munich wingers to, to go forward and, and score the goals really for them and that's what serge nabry provided to them he was one of the top scorers in qualifying um, and is one of the top scorers in, in this current Germany team based on form but as a result of that they're playing in such a weird ultra defensive team which we probably haven't seen for the best part of 20 years from the Germans where they have a lot of defensive minded players on the pitch um, whether it's you know um, Kimmich or playing five in defence technically by playing wing backs and playing three centre backs in, in Sula and Hummels and maybe Ginter um, so it is It is going to be a very defensive mindset going into this tournament for Germany, which will look different for, for them. But then at the same time, that could give them success. 
um, because they're in a tough group, as we said before. And if they go in in a complete defensive mindset, they could really shut down some of these other teams because... Uh, as we've seen all season playing defensively has worked out quite well for a lot of teams because if if you don't have the energy or the ingenuity to break a team down it can be very frustrating and as the third place you know best runners up do get through in the in, in this group it, it, or in all of the groups you could see germany kind of playing very conservatively and, and 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 grinding their way further into this tournament and as you said at the beginning of the show about italy and the growing into the tournament it could see germany grow into the tournament and i i think relatively speaking the draw coming out of group f once you get out of that group of death is fairly kind you're playing i think group a aren't you is that the the general gist of it which isn't the hardest group you, you you could think of um in terms of who you'd be playing against i don't think um so that, that that's something you could you could look forward to at the, at the same time you could draw england as, as i'm just checking now uh which could be hilarious in its own regard if we have a germany england match in, a, in the european championships just for the lol factor and then uh, what about Portugal? You know, they're the holders. Uh, they mm. they didn't have the best World Cup. I can't even remember what they did at the World Cup. Did they do anything? They, they I, I legit can't even remember. But they, they're the holders of the last competition. They, as we mentioned, didn't do it in the most fashionable way. Uh, but they've, they've got a few players coming through. A few high-profile players in the side. Obviously, there's still a Ronaldo who threw that hissy fit the last time mm. they, they played in, uh, in March. Uh, do you think they can retain their crown or is it well, too like, much? Portugal are a funny side because I just checked their, their performance. They, you remember they drew three all with Spain in the opening match. They they managed to win one match against Morocco. Oh, yeah. And then they got knocked out Uruguay. Uruguay 2-1, yeah. Edison Cavani, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think Portugal have a better side than they did four year, or five years ago, as it, as it may be. I think a lot of the young players like Renato, Renato Sanchez, he had a couple of bad years, but he's come into a great form again back at Lille. Uh, and winning the league in France uh, I think Bruno Fernandes has matured fantastically well you have João Felix who is you know a, a, one, a world class player one of the most expensive players on the planet who's just won the league in Spain you obviously still have Cristiano Ronaldo there to, to put away the goals and he, he showed it up in the in the World Cup qualifiers that we had in the last few months that he is still the guy for Portugal and you have a you know uh, what's your man's name at Man City uh, Diaz Ruben Diaz in, in, in defence like maybe you're losing a bit when it comes to um, likes of goalkeeping and, and and the likes of midfield with Jean Moutinho and a, a few older heads there that may be a bit slower than they were five years ago but are still in the squad. But overall, I think they're a better side than they were in, in 2016. At the same time, do I see them... Like, I suppose it comes down to how well they're going to be able to deploy their, their tactics against the opposition teams like France will certainly want revenge for what happened in 2016 and I think they'll be up for that match more than anything and Germany and Portugal have a have well enough recent history in tournaments where Germany consistently just throttle Portugal in, in matches and it'll take some doing to probably to overcome that psychological imbalance but I, I, I would still be confident that Portugal will progress in this tournament and perhaps do better than we're all thinking they're going to do at this point of a group of death when they're probably the third best team in that group and uh, finally the big nations though we've not talked about at all let's talk about England um, mm-hmm. you know we, we've mentioned a couple of their, their exciting players you know we've said well we think of Gareth Southgate but do they actually have the credentials to win this competition um Short answer yes, long answer no. Um, short answer yes, because of course they do. They have fantastic players. They have players who won the Champions League this season. They have players who have experience across Europe now and uh, winning leagues across Europe. 
and competing for trophies across Europe, which is something they didn't have in the past. Uh, they have that cosmopolitan look about them with the likes of Kieran Trippier or Jaden Sancho or Jude Bellingham in the, in the squad to kind of give them a bit more of that kind of nous and continental know-how when playing against opposition sides that, uh, you know, you, you do expect, but, you know, you have to actually have the experience of to have it. And then you have the, the, the seasoned professionals throughout the side. You have the likes of Henderson, who's now matured into a Champions League and league-winning captain. You have Harry Kane, who's probably at the peak of his powers. You have uh, a mature uh, Raheem Sterling, if he plays a mature enough uh, Marcus Rashford. You have youth in there in the Bakayo Saka. The, the, the problem and the reason why I say no is because if you knit that together great you have a load of good individuals but do you have a solid team and do you have a solid style of play and I think Gareth Southgate's been searching for that the last three years and I don't think he's he's hit, he's hit upon it at all I think the pre-season or the pre-tournament matches have really shown up where England lack in creativity and even though they have a lot of creative players I don't think they know how to access them and I don't think there's a good balance in this side at all I think they they know where they have good players and they're kind of gravitating towards those wings to try and bring them into the game but at the same time, they're they're losing out so often in midfield and they don't kind of have a cohesive plan knitted together in that middle of the park. And I think really this tournament is going to be won and lost in that midfield area. And it's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in, in due course, but I don't think England have the midfield required to win a tournament like this. Yeah, like in terms of wealth of talent, England are maybe only worth, are only bettered by France. You know they've got probably uh, pro- they've got position multiple players in almost every yeah. position. They even despite having some of their absolute best players or most important players hampered by injury mm. or poor form, you'd still have two or three players that could step up and replace them or step in. And you know the fact that they're debating who's the twenty six man in the squad. Like they could have brought a thirty three man squad if they were allowed. Um, you know, even though there's absolutely no way any team would play thirty three uh players in a in a tournament. <laughs> you absurd. say that now, nine misfortunes, you know, it could happen. It's true. Um and if it could happen to anyone, I think it's this England team, uh yeah. given the amount of minutes that they've all been put under this season. Yeah. Um I suppose that is the thing that might hold them back is the fact that, you know, looking at the average minutes played of all the teams in in, in this competition there. 200 uh i think it's like 200 minutes more they've all played on average than mm. the ne- than the next worst off team um, and a lot of them play for hard hitting teams mm. like that do a lot of running and you know are doing you know if you watch the the Champions League final you saw the the, the hard running about that Chelsea Man City side cut both covering i think near 10 kilometers um each basically <laughs> every player covering that much uh, or all 10 outfield players basically covering that much during the match and that's really every single match and for a lot of these England players 50 to 60 odd matches that's a lot of ground covered in one short period of time and you know there wasn't much of a break between last season and this season so it's, it's even more matches than I'm even saying there to be honest um, I I with all of that I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of teams who've covered a lot of similar territory and ground over the year I know England probably has covered that bit more but do, do like do you think they have a cohesive way of playing i think that's the biggest thing that that that's missing for me from england like i know they have weakness in defense with harry Maguire likely being at least not 100 percent fit if even if even able to play in, in in this tournament we'll see how that goes in the next week or two um but you know pickford i'm not confident in in goals and he's definitely the number one i think there's indecision at left back or left wing back whichever we want to call it and i think that needs to be very quickly resolved i don't think they know who the best next best center back is in the england side i think there is a bit of in i think what's the word for it 
They they struggle with balance, I think. Yeah, in terms I don't of think there's a trust in the right hand side at all. I don't think they have trust. I think the the use of different players in the in the in the final warm up matches and even in the final few months in the World Cup qualifiers and and other friendlies they've had. I think the lack of of consistency in, in selection is really starting to show up in the front end of the field. Like, okay, Gareth Southgate likes Mason Mount. We understand that he's going to start Harry Kane. We understand that. But apart from that. I, I honestly couldn't predict who the certain lineup would be. I could, but I don't think I'd be right, uh, based on on who who could play in that in that that front line for England. And it's all about relationships. It's all about building up that that trust and that level of of, of unconscious, uh, what what's it called, um, serendipity, which are which are teammates. And it's something England should have. They they are well enough experienced side, even though there is youth in there. And a lot of these players play for the same teams or playing very similar style teams. But it's something they seem to be lacking, and I don't know—is that direction from the coach, or is it just, like you said, the tiredness and the fatigue just finally catching up with them? Yeah, um, I, I think there's positives to be taken from that, though. Like the fact that they have options that they are a bit unpredictable makes yeah. them a bit harder to kind of figure out how what to play. What formation do they play? What yeah, formation like, do they play? The versatility the of that, I think, is is maybe a bonus that not a lot of teams okay. have. Um, you know, obviously it can backfire in the fact that, you know, the players might end up in a, in a similar way to how Man City ended up in the Champions League final where they're like, hang on, how should we be playing exactly? Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of confusion that can be created by doing yeah. that. But, you know... A lot of similar players in those positions as well. I'm looking at Kyle Walker, likely to start. I'm looking at John Stones, likely to start. The, um, the, the thing that I would say to that, though, is that the level and standard of international football isn't to the same level. Like, their opponents won't true. kill them. You know, they won't... Scotland-like. Yeah, they, you know... Billy they, Gilmore. They won't make Gareth Southgate instantly regret any decision he makes. Like, it'll be... They'll, they'll have the individual quality to kind of see through a lot of the games, especially in the group stages. And then at that point, you know, they can kind of maybe get into a bit of a groove after that. Like that is the, um, uh, what is the word, the kind of privilege that they have as one of the bigger mm-hmm. nations with a lot of players, with the wealth that they have of talent um, yeah. that they, they, they should be able to get through. The thing I worry for them is the fatigue, the fact that those players are kind of, They've been running to the ground a lot. Like, you know, I'm looking at the fact that Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire maybe will actually play games despite the fact that they're patently not fit enough. Yeah. Um, you know, it's Declan Rice like has been battling injury for a lot of the second half of the season and he's their linchpin in midfield. If Without Declan Rice, and I don't think they're going to trust Jude Bellingham even though I think he deserves the trust, what do England do on a defensive nature? We, we, I know I agree with you there. Attacking prowess is, is fantastic. They have great attacking players. But I think in transition and in defence, they're in a lot of trouble <laughs> if they if, if they lose those players, those those aforementioned players. Maguire, who's been so solid, who who clears balls with his head very, very confidently and gives a, a great deal of, of communication kind of switched on if it was only was it earlier this season when when he screamed at Luke Shaw for being switched on you know that's the authority you need in central defense and even in in this modern game but like what what do England do like they do they do they drop back and like I I've I've seen talk of playing oh you can play Phil Foden or Jack Grealish or or give me another name there in in center midfield I I don't think they can Mason Mount I don't think they're going to play those guys in center midfield I think they're they're on uh, the hiding for losing if they do that 
Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what they come up with in that first game against Croatia as well. They lost mm-hmm. to in the in they've met Croatia a lot lately. You know, the World Cup semi final they met in the Nations League mm. as well a couple of times. So they're two teams that know each other as well. Um, so that that kind of adds another wrinkle to it as well. And uh, you I know. Co- there's a thing about Croatia as well, and I know maybe 2014 is the is the uh, aberration in this, but they tend to perform when it count, when it matters. And mm. I know they've lost matches. They lost the World Cup final. They lost that famous match against Russia or was it Turkey back in the day? But you know the you know whatever happened in the Nations League. I know England progressed into that final tournament, but you know Croatia they they are a very good side. <laughs> you know they they have very good footballers and. I think some of the youngsters that have come through in Croatia in the last years, like it's, it, it shouldn't go lightly that since the World Cup, I think they've lost is it eleven or, or fifteen of that squad from the World Cup are gone now. Mm. Um, so there, there's a good amount of refresh, and there's still Luka Modric in that team. There's still a bit of experience, a bit of world class experience in that side to to shine through that has experience of beating England. So if they can get someone out of you know, what's the name of the guy? Is it Rebic? The guy? At, yeah, Rebic. Yeah, no, he he's 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 a guy who is how would you describe me? Shane Long like esque. He <laughs> is not a great goal scorer, but he's a scorer of great goals. And you know, someone like that, he's annoying. He's a very annoying player to play against. They could really rattle England. And I think the key, I know what you're saying about growing into this, and they have the, that ability and they have that luxury of being able to sit in their laurels a bit and ride out the rough times until their their better players can grab form or can get fit again. But I honestly think that the key to England doing well in this tournament is to start like a house on fire and keep it going. And I I I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I, I, I think they to have been able to do that they should have had a set way of playing. They should have you know basically you'd know your first eleven at this point going out, like a few days out from the start of the tournament. But they don't have that and I, I don't know if, if if England can cope with losing a game or drawing a game that they might be expected the pressure be too much because remember England are basically this is a home tournament for them all of their matches are going to be at home um, so it'll it'll be something yeah and uh, I suppose with that we should uh, go through our bracket for how we think mm. this will all shake out um, let's just go through what teams you think will go through first of all yeah uh, so I if we're going to do this very quickly, I think uh, the top two teams from each group. Yeah, let's uh, do the so top two teams and then we'll list out the four afterwards. Okay, so what when you so group the four A or is third yeah, so group A is Italy, Turkey, Wales, and Switzerland. I think it's Italy and Turkey going through yeah, on that. I agree. You agree on that? Uh, group B is Belgium, Denmark, Russia, and Finland. I think it's Belgium and Denmark. Yeah. bit of a tougher one but I think that fair enough they're going to go through group C then things start getting a bit well maybe not they don't get in the top half of the group of the of the of the seeds maybe not that great uh, Ukraine Netherlands Austria North Macedonia I think it's Ukraine and Netherlands going through mm-hmm, I agree uh, and then we start getting into the more tricky uh, combinations group D is England Croatia Czech Republic and Scotland I think this will be a tighter group than some of the others and but I think England and Croatia will advance yeah, I've I've Croatia to top this group ahead of England. Yeah, and I I I'm I'm not against that. I think that could be eminently possible. Um, I think it'll be close. I I wouldn't be surprised if this is a a win and two draw type of situation. Yeah. Uh, for the top teams, and it could be just separated by goal difference or something like that. Who who puts more past Scotland? 
if it is Scotland, you know, I, I, I do don't, I do not think Scotland are going to progress in this tournament. Anyway, Group E, Poland, Spain, Sweden, Slovakia. Now this one, I'll put the caveat from our earlier conversation about Spain. And if Spain do have to play their under 21 side being led by Sergio Ramos, in theory, I, I think this prediction will be thrown out, but I think Poland and Spain will qualify uh, um, in that order. Hmm. I, I, yeah, see, it's, this one's hard, obviously, because of the Spain, but we, we have to go on the basis that Spain will show up as Spain because yeah. we just don't have the information right now. I think it'll be Spain and Sweden that go through as the top two in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sweden have a good, have a good it, solid close, side. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, I had them close, closely behind anyway. And then Group F, which is the group of death, if, if you will, every tournament has one. Germany, France, Portugal and Hungary. And I have Germany and France going through. Again, this order... It could easily be France, Germany. But, I, I've, um, I've gone with France, Portugal in this group with Germany okay. third. Um, just because I, 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 I've lost a lot of faith in Germany yeah. in the last couple of years. Like they lost to Spain 6 0 not mm. that long ago. Like they, they were initially relegated from the Nations League before being saved by a format change, yeah. uh, which to, to be fair also helped Ireland. Uh, you know, shout, did, out to, shout out to that. Um, Sound you know, And the fact that like I do think a lot of. We, we could say, you know, it will be great if they could send off, you know, a great run from Yogi Love by winning the tournament or having a really respectable yeah. run of the tournament. But I just don't think that's actually going to happen. Um, I still think they'll be one of the teams that goes through as third. But I think that yeah. they will be third in this group because they've been so poor. And a lot of players just tend to ease off when they know the manager is gone. We've yeah. seen it so often at club level. It's so weird that it's happening at this tournament. Like, it's not often that we hear that a manager's gone out the window. Like, the last time it happened, it was Julian Lopetegui, and he got sacked <laughs> uh, yeah. for, for leaving for Real Madrid. Um, so, like, that goes to show it's, it's a rare thing. The Netherlands in, in, in the World Cup of 2014, they did get to third place in that. They did. Knowing, knowing Louis van Gaal was gone. Um, so maybe Germany will, will be more like that, but I, I just don't see it based on how they've performed lately as well. Yeah, I can I can completely understand it, but I do want to like emphasize it's Germany. They always, you know, even a bad Germany team, generally speaking, does well in a tournament. I know in recent tournaments, maybe that's not played out. And Euro two thousand was the other more recent example where Germany didn't even get out in the group stage. Um, but I think I think they have enough in them and enough about them to drag themselves through. And I think Yogi Love has been tinkering enough with the team to, you know, he hasn't he hasn't just you know sat. I don't want to say sat in his principles but he hasn't just uh, cut his uh, cut off his nose to spite his face like he's brought Thomas Muller back in because he believes he can be the linchpin type of player that can bring in the goal scoring threat from from the wide flanks yeah like I, I think it's close I, I, I do also believe that Portugal will get through with one of the best place third teams and I, even if it is reversed and, and Germany do drop down the, the thing that I have them over is that Germany you know I think France have put a lot into that Portugal match and I think that could hold, you know, that could count against them against Germany. And I think Germany will target that France match more than ever. And I think the Portugal Germany match could be a draw, and and, that, and just you know they're both happy with it, and that mm. could be enough to to send them both through um, in whatever combination that they come through. But yeah, I, you know we call it a group of death, but we think the three biggest sides will probably go through anyway. Yeah, if if it was still a sixteen team format and this was the group, then then it would be the true form of a group of death, I think. But uh, yeah. You know they're always a bit more lenient in a, in a twenty-four team tournament. So yeah. who who are the four third place teams you have to go through then? So I have my four best of the rest, uh, the best third place teams out of the six: Wales, 
uh, from Group A. Uh, I think they'll they'll do well enough. I know that it'll, Switzerland have a decent enough squad that's coming. A lot of them coming into their peak, but I think some of them are, are a bit over the hill. Shakiri, Jacka, some of those type of players. And I think you know if you can get at this Switzerland side, they don't have much to fight against you with. I don't think you'll be worried defensively against them. You you will have to work to break them down, but not much else in return. And I think Wales, while you know a lot of the same team from the last time around i think they have that aura about them and they'll they'll do enough to finish third in that group um czech republic is my next team because i think czech have a solid i think a workman-like team i think they have a lot of decent mid-level european experience some european champions league experience in their squad some decent young players coming through uh they've got no outstanding world beaters in their team anymore no Petr Czechs, no patrick burgers no you know pavel nedved's there that's long gone since we've had a player from the czech republic like that um but they do have a lot of solid you know premier league players bundesliga players that are going to do it for them and i think they'll they'll come through in that group uh, as uh, with england and, and croatia and they'll beat scotland comfortably i believe i think sweden uh, in the group that you had uh, spain and sweden going through i think I think Sweden will come out of that and I wonder do you think Poland will come out of that because I think Sweden are again similar to Czech Republic a very solid team I don't think there's any massive weaknesses throughout their whole side and I think if, if some of the younger attacking players do perform along with some of the more experienced heads like Sepp Larsson I think is still there um, they, they could be a bit of a not a dark horse for the tournament but a dark horse in, in the knockout phases and finally I think Portugal go through and yeah I, uh, we've kind of discussed that I think defensively they have a very good side they have experience they a lot of their t- players are coming into their peak form they've got very good fullbacks in Cancelo and uh, your man is it Hernandez at, at Bayern Munich they have um so they're very solid in, in that side of the game and they have the world-class players up front um so I think in any other group they probably would have easily come through but I think in in the case of the group of that they'll be there thereabouts for for the best third place team yeah, I, I diverge a little bit. I've, I've not got Wales. I've got Wales to come third, but I don't think they'll be one of the teams that goes through. Mm-hmm. I, I think Finland have a good chance of going through just because really? they have. Yeah, they've you know they've a kind group as well. You know, Belgium, yeah. Denmark, and Russia. Like, I don't expect yeah, much like, from I don't Russia. Think, neither do I. But I and I don't. I don't really rate Denmark that highly either. So I think they they'll have the chance to, to pick out the points needed to go through there. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, we've seen that they are they are pretty good. They got a result against France not that long ago. Like they have a couple of decent players that we know. Um, so I think they have the chance to get through there. Like you know, in, in a similar way to the way that Ireland got through in twenty sixteen, might be a yeah. bit fortuitous. Um, Depending got, on yeah the fixtures and stuff. Yeah, I've, I've got Scotland to go through, and it's kind of my, really? my, heart, my heart over my head a little. You know, I I don't know too much about this Czech Republic's guide as well. So I kind of just went with it's basically West know, Ham. Imagine West Ham as an international site, and that's but you know you could say that about Scotland as well. Like they, you know, uh, David Moyes is in charge and everything. Um, you know, they they've got a decent group of players. They've they've got the you know they've got home advantage pretty much. Like you know, I'd expect a decent crowd in their favor at the, at their games. So I think that could come uh to suit them as well um you know i think they the belief there you know it, it, it again it's much more hard over my head there i don't necessarily think they're a big threat in the tournament but i think the fact that they even have to play england but you know they might get a result out of that as well just because of the whole rivalry that they have there um and the history between those two countries like that could spur them on to get a, a, a result that they might not have gotten in another group or against a similar uh side um, mm. Then my final two teams are Poland and Germany, the teams from the same groups, but just reversed, flipped round to what you have, basically. 
mm. uh, for for largely the same reasons. Like I, you know, I have a lack of belief in Poland, even though I know they have good players and a good uh, team. It's just that when it comes to tournament time, they never really seem to do it. They always seem to kind of just fall apart. Hopefully, this will be the the tournament for Robert Lewandowski, and he, they kind of prove me wrong. Uh, but I think they'll they'll come third in this, but they'll still go through. And you know, we've talked about Germany, and you know, it. it I can't see them not getting into the knockout rounds, given that it, given the format that that's in it. Um, but then for the uh, knockout rounds, how does your bracket look then? What how does it all shake out? So my last sixteen. Um round of 16 or whatever you want to call it has Belgium versus Sweden it has Italy versus the Netherlands which would be a nice interesting big big country match I have Germany against Wales Croatia versus Spain which again would be a nice contrasting not a contrasting styles but a nice neat football match I have Poland Czech Republic I have England versus France which I think would be an exciting enough tie um, and I would want to see I'd be at Wembley I would, if I'm thinking correctly um, I have the Ukraine versus Portugal, which I think again would be exciting considering the the contrasting styles of both sides, and then I have Turkey Denmark. Interesting. I think we've only two there that I have the same actually. Okay. Belgium Germany uh, first, okay. then then Italy Netherlands. You with that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then France Finland. Mm. After that, England Sweden. Repeat of the the quarterfinals, the last World Cup. Then Spain Scotland. Uh, Croatia, Portugal, Spain, Ukraine, Scotland. Poland, and then Turkey, Denmark. Which I everyone think every- has Turkey. De- everyone's yeah. got Turkey, Denmark at this point. I think uh, for whatever um, reason. So who do you have going into the quarterfinals? Then what's your quarterfinals so look like? Coming out of that Belgian Sweden match, I think Belgium will flatter to deceive in this tournament, and I I, fe- I fear uh, that this golden generation will come to a, a slippery end uh, at the hands of Sweden, and I think the Sweden really? side will progress to the quarterfinals. Yeah. I also think in the Italy-Netherlands match that I have as the next round of 16 match, I think the Netherlands will come out over the Italians just because I have no real, you know, they have greater firepower up front, maybe a more cohesive system of play um, in in terms of the attacking side of things and a, maybe their their players know each other a bit better. Uh, <laughs> after that, in Germany versus Wales, I think it's fairly obvious Germany will, will come out trumps in that. They always do in, the, in these type of ties. Uh, Croatia Spain then I have Croatia coming out in that one just as a surprise shock we throw in there I think the Spain side is is going to be like one of the older Spain sides that's just like wow they're really good and they keep losing in like last 16 and it would, it would keep to their 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 present trend of not getting out of a tournament's last 16 since they won one in Euro 2012 uh, then Poland Czech Republic I think the Polish are the better side and they've the more talented players so I think they'll come through England France this was what I was talking about earlier where it's just like on paper you just have to edge it to France. So I think France will come out of that. And then Ukraine-Portugal. I think Portugal will just beat the Ukraine side because the naivety maybe of the youth in the, in the Ukrainian side and the, the tenacity and the experience of Portugal and and really the better individual players will probably pay dividends in that. And then Turkey, I think, will beat Denmark in, in, in the last of the last 16 ties I have predicted. Yeah, I think uh, I've got some. I think I've got what is good news here in that my quarterfinals are very different. <laughs> okay, that. good stuff. So uh, it's good that you know this is looking to be a bit of an unpredictable tournament. Yeah. In in Belgium, Germany, I have Belgium to go through. I do think this could be the the Belgian national size time. You know, I think this could be. I've got a lot of faith that you know they've got some well rested players. Uh, they didn't play as many minutes as some of the bigger teams. Roberto Martinez, I think, is one of the better managers. Sean Maloney, you know. <laughs> 
at this competition. Uh, you know, he's a good manager over Virgin Martinez. I think he's got a bad rap for very bizarre reasons that I don't quite understand. Oh, I don't think he's a bad manager by any stretch of the imagination. I think he does a bit of that Brendan Rodgers too much talk and not enough doing uh, side of management, which is just a modern managerial shit. Well, they both won an FA Cup. Uh, they, they sure <laughs> did. They sure did. Then after that in Italy, Netherlands, I have Italy to go through just because I don't, I don't particularly think that Frank de Boer is going to do the job against Roberto yeah. uh, Mancini. Uh, and who doesn't love a Roberto quarterfinal? Uh, Roberto yeah. Martinez and Roberto Mancini would be good fun. And the um, battle of the Robertos. A good throwback to Premier League 2011. Uh, or yeah. even that uh, FA Cup final. FA Cup final, yeah. Uh, a repeat so of that. That would be fun. Then I have France-Finland. I think you know France should go through that pretty comfortably. England-Sweden. I've got England to win that in pretty much a similar fashion to that World Cup quarterfinal, which England yeah. were pretty comfortable to go through. Uh, at that point then I've got Spain Scotland uh, Spain to go through that one as long as everything's going alright for Spain I still think Spain under 21 would beat Scotland <laughs> yeah probably uh, especially with Sergio Ramos uh, leading the yeah, charge Sergio Ramos, yeah leading from the front centre forward he'd make himself centre forward for the match I'd say and he'd do a job he'd do a job score, would, score four penalties all penalties yeah all penalties are his <laughs> then Croatia Portugal I've got Portugal to go through I think this yep. Portuguese side's pretty fun could be uh, one of the more entertaining sides at this competition, despite their. I reputation. disagree. I disagree with that entirely. Just, I think Port- they have some very good. Reputation. Yeah, they're very good players, but they're extremely defensively minded. And they are, saw, but I don't think they're as good defensive. I don't think they're as good a defensive unit as they are. So they might overcompensate and be like, "Well, we have to chase this game now. Uh, let's score maybe. four goals." Um, you know, we've seen them have a few high-profile three-all draws lately. Um, and Cristiano Ronaldo storming off the pitch uh, then finally I've got the Ukraine and Turkey quarterfinal uh, hmm. I think Turkey will go through against Denmark as well and I think Ukraine will do Poland uh, yeah so. like that's it's, it's possible you know the old old you know Eastern Bloc rivals I suppose in Poland and Ukraine uh, fighting against each other so that could be an interesting an interesting matchup if they do end up drawing against each other and yeah, like I, I think it's anyone's game. I would, I would edge even in that case. I would edge Poland, given that they have the greater experience. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. So, for my quarterfinals, then I have Sweden against the Netherlands, mm. uh, and I think Netherlands will overcome Sweden in that. I think it'll just be a case of the superior players. I know what you're saying about De Boer, and maybe he's a bit untested. But I think the Sweden side, they do have some experience, but a lot of it's youth. And I think the Netherlands will have enough guile about them, even without some of their bigger players, to to really go through because they are exciting and they have one of the best midfields in the in the tournament. And I think that's where this tournament's going to be won or lost. Um, the other quarterfinal I had then was Germany against Croatia, uh, which I think that Germany will pop through in that uh, simply because they're Germany and that's what Germany do. Um, I know the they have history in '98. The Croatians, I believe, beat Germany in the quarterfinals. I want to say to get into the semi-final mm. against they lost to France in the end. Um, so there is there is a bit of history there, but I think the I think the Germans will be they'll be grown into the tournament at that point and just be on autopilot towards the semi-finals. Um, next quarterfinal, then I have is Poland against France, and despite Poland's, you know best efforts and and maybe the the in, in, ingenuity of, of Paulo Souza if he does get a go at this at this tournament I think France have the overwhelming power uh, in in this tournament they have the a very top heavy side that can almost overwhelm teams and as they did in 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 Russia in 2018 and I think they could do that again uh, against this Polish side who would be might be tired during at that point 
and the last quarterfinal then in Portugal, a, a, a very clever and battle-worn Portugal side come against this young Turkish side, and I think Portugal have enough to, to carry themselves through, maybe on a penalty shootout, uh, to a semi-final. Yes, yeah, uh, that'll be an interesting semi-final. Um, I've got Belgium to come through against Italy in that quarterfinal. Madness. And France, France to come through against England in that semi in that quarterfinal so Belgium France mm-hmm. semi-final again uh, awaits us I think then uh, an Iberian quarterfinal Spain against Portugal I've got Spain oh, to they go love those. against that yeah, Sp- yeah Spain have the history of winning those so yeah. would this be the one time that Portugal can come pull something off no. maybe um, <laughs> maybe but uh, I, I do Spain Again, number 21s against Portugal <laughs> yeah we've got the asterisk against uh, the asterisk against Spain but I, I think as a, a fully fit Spain would, would get through against Portugal yeah probably mm. probably close game hopefully they could play out another three all draw that'll be very fun and cool. then I've got the uh, I've got Ukraine to, oh, I keep calling them the Ukraine it's just Ukraine it's just uh, a habit yeah. uh, Ukraine to come out against Turkey um, in, I think those are the two dark horses for me and it's a bit unfortunate mm. that they meet each other in the quarterfinals but again it means that one of them gets to be in the semi um, so in, the, in that sense it's kind of fun uh, yeah the so Ukraine I, are definitely the more attacking minded mm. side of, of those two so it would be it would be very interesting and they are very exciting and they do have a bit of experience and a bit you know Zinchenko's in there and a few other players are in there in the squad that play at other European nations so you know there's a bit of world wariness in it so that could help them through in these in these tight matches and so what is your semi-final looking like Who's so my final? semi-final has the old rivals who hate each other the Netherlands versus the Germans and uh, you know we, I'm thinking 88 uh, Netherlands beat Germany and that's I think in the semi semi-final and in 92 I think Germany beat the Netherlands um, so it, yeah, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm veering towards the Netherlands for the you know the reasons you talked about Germany maybe not making it very far in this tournament that they don't have the overall picture there. Yogi Lowe maybe they don't. They've run out of steam under him, and and they'll give him up. And I think the Netherlands, as I said, probably the best midfield in this tournament. So I think they they could they could drag it through. The other one then I have France versus Portugal, and this will be a repeat of the last Euro twenty sixteen final. And I think France will absolutely want to win it. Um, I think this Portugal side is better than they were in 2016 I don't know if this France side is better than they were in 2016 because it's hard to bring yourself up to win another tournament but I definitely think that that France will will bring themselves up to beat this Portuguese side and qualify for yet another European final I've got Belgium to beat France I know that sounds controversial mm-hmm. but uh, I stand by it that it'll be revenge for the World Cup semi-final uh, which was a close game. Um, Belgium pulled off, I think, the best team performance of any side at that last World Cup against Brazil. I think this could be a chance for Roberto Martinez to stamp his, his name back on yeah. and give give himself a bit of authority in, in European football again. Uh, maybe as kind of a, a an interview for a big job. Um, Real Madrid you know, jobs available, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe this will be what convinces him to go to convinces Real Madrid to to take the Bobby Martinez train. Um, and I think it. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be an entertaining game. But uh, I think Belgium could be could be in a European Championship final. And then in Spain against U- the Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine. I've got uh, Ukraine to go through. Um, really, I think the Spain under twenty ones. The the the, the <laughs> it would have caught up to them at that stage. 
I just think Spain lacked that kind of f- firepower, and I'm going to back my dark horse in this, and I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Ukraine to get to a final, because I think Belgium-Ukraine final would be kind of crazy. And, yeah, uh, especially I, I with the live. current political climate, you know. I, uh, I want to live in that uh, that crazy world where we get two brand brand new finalists. Have either of them made the final before? Uh, the Soviet Union did when Ukraine was and them won it, when the Ukraine would have been supplying players towards them. So Ukraine have technically won it. Mm. <laughs> and been to finals because Ukrainian players would have played both in as late as Euro eighty eight if I under in the final in Euro eighty eight. Mm. Um, so yeah, the it's 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 a convoluted and, and troubled history, uh, so of to speak. Course. And I know there's yeah there's even weirder things happening with like the Ukrainian jersey having Crimea on it and that causing a whole political incident with Russia. So let's hope the Russians and Ukrainians don't meet in this tournament. Anyway, uh, I have uh, Netherlands. Uh, and France in the final, and I think the Netherlands are going to win this. Really? Um, it just you know I I I don't think this France side I I think this France side probably they're the best set of players in this tournament. But I I was looking at their makeup and what Deschamps has brought with him. As I said, it's very hard to to get players motivated and back up to win another tournament. It's mostly the same players since 2018. I know you said they brought in Benzema, and maybe that's made is going to make a difference. And and he has that added motivation to to do something and and achieve something for his international career before he hands up hangs up his boots. But I don't think there's enough change in there. If there's an injury to Pogba or a drop in form to Igola Kante, what is there to come in in midfield for for France? I know they have world class players in there, but it's like Rabio or Sissoko. You know, it's you're not you're not really going at the best players in the world there. So I think the, I think this tournament, as I said multiple times at this point, is going to be decided on midfields. And I think if you matched up the Dutch midfield against this French midfield you're going to come out with a Dutch victory. I'm just thinking back to Paris Saint-Germain and despite them having by far better attacking players than Man City, when they couldn't get the ball out of their midfield, Mbappe could run all night, Neymar could run and, and do tricks and, and, and draw files all night, but it wasn't going to result in anything. And I think that could be what foils France in this tournament, is if a midfield gets on top of them and they're unable to get out and cope with it, no matter how good players they have up, up the top end of the field, it doesn't matter, and the Dutch will win it. And I think, you know, I we've talked about how they, they're lacking Van Dijk, and I think that's maybe an oversight on Van Dijk, and maybe I think he should go and be part of the team, like the squad, as a you know an emotional uh, relief or emotional, I don't know, cuddle animal, whatever you want to call it. Cheerleader. I think he should be there. Exactly, he should be there. Um, but like, I think the rest of that Dutch side, with the exception of maybe their goalies and. And some of their fullbacks, I think, is is, is quite exta- established and you know very hardworking and very skillful, and I think that could lead to them coming out and, and winning this. They're very hungry as well. A lot of these players haven't actually won anything, despite their lofty you know skill. You know, Memphis Depay. I don't think has he won anything. Did he win something at Feyenoord? Was when he was there? Um, he's not won much at Leon. Obviously, didn't win much at Manchester United either. Um, Frankie de Jong gone to Barcelona hasn't won anything uh, ditto for well Matthias did win I think a Serie A last season but was injury injured for a lot of it so you know these, these players must still be hungry for something and, and this could be something to cap off the international careers of some of their more senior players like Gini Wijnaldum and there's somebody else in there that I, I, I've completely forgotten but I, I think it's something they they could go for and I, and I know it sounds weird and I don't think I before I started doing this I didn't think I had Netherlands as my favourites but at this point I think they they are 
if the draw turns the way it does that I have it predicted. Otherwise, it might might be something completely different. Or the Germans will just beat them in the semis and go and beat Germany and go and beat France in the final because the Germans always beat the French. Yeah, I think that would be um, quite an interesting winner given especially where the Netherlands have been in the last five years. You know, the humiliation of not making the last Euros in this 2014 format where it felt impossible for them to not make it and then to not even qualify for the World Cup after that. Um, that would be uh, quite a, a rise from the ashes for them to pull off a victory. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see it. I like the Dutch. Uh, you know, obviously Matthias is part Dutch as well. He'd be a friend of the show, former former calls. I think that would be a good uh, that'd be a good story for them. Um, I'd, I'd quite like to see that. Um, I've got Belgium to beat uh, Ukraine in the final. Like, this is Roberto Martinez's time. Like, this is that gold, golden generation's time. Uh, you know, they've come close in the past. They got to the quarterfinals uh, last time. They were beaten by Robson Canu's amazing skills uh, <laughs> to Wales. Then, of course, lost out to France in the World Cup semi final in a pretty close game. So, like, I think that they should be able to get through, uh, you know, a Ukraine side that will have done very well to get to the final. Um, and it is a bit of a weird final. We've both gone for a weird, um, weird kind of tournament. And I kind of hope it shakes up mm. like that. Yeah, like I, I'm, I would be interested to see some of these matchups actually happen. Like we had some good ones in there. I know I had Italy and Netherlands and the Netherlands Germany match, and we had an England France. And I know when I did this out a different time, this this bracket, I had a Germany England match, which I always, which is always great fun <laughs> to see. Um, so yeah, I think I think it could be very interesting and a very exciting uh, couple of weeks. It's Shabalala! And finally now to wrap up our European Championship preview coverage, let's just, let's just do some fun, quick, rapid-fire predictions. You know, five each. We can just be all vibes and no facts here. Let's go. Let's uh, let's think. Let's go first with you, Andrew. What's some predictions? Belgium will disappoint you. <laughs> they will not be the <laughs> world losers that you think they're going to be. They will be fine, and but they will show up that the fact that they've been together for so long will actually count against them and that they won't do as well as you might expect them to do. I think they'll go out early in the knockout stages, and I think that'll be the end of this Bobby Martino, Martinez journey, and he'll go off to some other European club, and Belgium will have to start the slow process of rebuilding, or maybe at least introducing some new blood into the mix. Uh, what's another one you've got? I think Sweden are going to surprise us at this. I know we've probably talked through it at this point as well, but I think... Um, I this re- I've I've almost forgotten his name already. The Real Sociedad centre-forward is only 21 um for sweden he he's very good you remember he had the back and forth with Slatan earlier in the season about taking his jersey and things like that and maybe taking his record for sweden um i think he he has the potential to be very good and i think the the sweden will score more goals because larsen is also in there henrik larsen's son is also in there after a good season spartak moscow um i think sweden score a lot more goals than we've seen them score in recent tournaments where they have really been uh, a bit like ireland been a bit light up front and and really depending on their defensive performances and set pieces to drag them through uh, what's your third one? Um, I think England's youth, I think this is an easy one, but England's youth will once again point towards a bright future, but not do anything. Uh, a la Rashford in 2016, where he was like, everyone was so, look, he's playing like he, he doesn't care. He's playing like he's uh, unencumbered by the pressures of playing for England. And I think we'll see a lot of that again from the likes of maybe Phil Foden, from the likes of Jaden Sancho, from the likes of Jude Bellingham, maybe. 
but overall England will just be disappointing and go out against either France or either Germany or whoever else we had them going out against um, and Gareth Southgate's programme of as manager might come to an end after that uh, what's your fourth one I it's I was thinking about top score in the tournament and I have a feeling like there's obvious you know could be it could be Mbappe because he's the best player playing in this tournament technically but I'm I'm torn between Cristiano Ronaldo being he needs six goals to uh, beat the international goal scoring record I think for for a, a team for a senior team so I think Ronaldo's definitely going to be targeting trying to get six goals so I think that'll be something that'll that'll he'll try to do in this tournament and then I think Memphis Depay has a huge point to prove after being left in the international wilderness for several years including around the the 2018 World Cup and I think he's going to you know really push on and show why Barcelona and other big clubs are interested in his uh, talent and finally what is your last prediction Oh, you're you're really pushing me here. Um, I well, like I said it earlier, but I think Germany will probably make it to a semi final, which I th- you know I didn't think was a big prediction out before this happened, but um, I think it's going to happen at this point. Uh, I would like to make a fun prediction, like oh, you know, uh, well they're not fun predictions, but the ma- you know a lot of matches will be called off. I think it would be hilarious, and I personally, you know, it's terrible for <laughs> in the grander scheme of things, but for the entertainment value. If it was a case that Spain or some other country had to submit an under twenty one team into this tournament, I think it could be hilarious. <laughs> just for oh. the you know, just for Sergio Ramos coming through and being the captain of that Spanish side, like that alone, it's it fills my heart with joy. And then maybe getting sent off. That would be even better. Maybe even get a Denmark nineteen ninety two situation where a new entrant to the competition arrives. Who would be even- Northern Ireland would be next in line, would they? Um, I'm not sure how they would they'd probably just draw lots or something um, but they were the losing playoff side yeah but there were four playoffs so um, how do you even decide which playoff to take a team from did they not have to do a, was there not semi-finals and finals for the playoffs yeah but that was for each there were four of them Scotland went through for the playoffs as well they, oh they yeah Slovakia or Slovenia and Northern Ireland lost to whichever one of them whichever one of the slow countries it wasn't Slovakia, Slovakia. Um, so um, I don't know how they'd decide that there um, that would be a really interesting uh, that would be a huge news story if it actually happened though and I, I hopefully hopefully in, in the grander scheme of things it doesn't come to that but it, I can see it the entertainment funny. value it would be very funny uh, I've got some predictions as well I think uh, to go back to what I said earlier England will look very tired and just barely scrape through their group Mm-hmm. Um, just because of all the things we talked about earlier uh, U- Ukraine to do quite well I think they're the dark horse for this competition they could even get to a final I think semi-final is a pretty bankable one uh, for me I say bankable they could get knocked down the groups but uh, uh, you know I-, I-, I think they could get to the semi-finals realistically speaking uh, which would be kind of fun I think my third prediction one major country will have mutiny in the camp uh, you know, we've Ooh. seen that in the past. France, 2010, very dramatically a mutiny in the camp. 2016, Belgium. Uh, what was the name of that guy? Um, God, I've completely forgotten his name. The manager uh, of the Belgian side. The, the players all turned against Mark. him. It's Mark something, isn't it? Uh, I, I just remember uh, after the Ireland-Sweden game, the opening game of that group, Group D, uh, in 2016, it was a Group E. Um, we were all hearing stories of Belgium they'd lost to Italy we'd all heard stories of them all falling out we all thought they might be easy prey for Ireland and then they spanked us 3-0 um, 
Um, Mark so Wilmot. Mark Wilmot, yes. Um, who I think went off to China after that, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I'm not sure which one will be Germany or the obvious candidates because of Yogi Love leaving. Mm. Um, but I think we could see a, a bit of mutiny in the camp, how that would take form uh, in a COVID-induced European Championship. So I'm interested to know. Mm. Um, but uh, I think that's possible. My fourth prediction is I think it'll be a low-scoring tournament. Uh, really? Last, yeah, the last one had over, I think it was 108 goals uh, total. Yeah, 108 in, in Euro 16. I think this could be 70, 80 goals. Uh, I was hoping, overall. yeah, I was hoping for the opposite. Now I didn't want to make the prediction of it, but I was hoping that this would ba- basically going completely against the last year and a half of, of how goals have dropped off, or you know, things have happened that uh, we would see an acceleration in goals due to the lack of uh, fitness from the defenders, maybe, and they're just like not bothering to try, and that's how we could see the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo scoring six goals. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, or I, not dis, I kind of disagree. I think that, you know, the way football has gone has indicated that we're due a kind of low-scoring draw. Because the World Cup did have a, lot, have a lot of goals. I think there was only one nil all draw in the entire competition. And it was like France-Peru on the final day. Of that, or France-Denmark on the final day of that group. So, you know, it didn't matter what the result of that game was. So, you know, I think this time we might actually see a lot of nil-nils or a lot of games decided on, you know, scruffy penalties or set pieces Um, it is an international tournament after all exactly Uh, and then my final prediction is a bit petty but I think Denmark and Switzerland will bomb uh, in this competition Uh, Switzerland won't make it out of the group and Denmark will be a disappointing uh, knockout round uh, last 16 defeat to I think it'll be like 3-0 Turkey uh, in that game that we all predict will happen yeah, uh, just, I think, just because yeah. I didn't think they were all that good in qualifying, and Mick McCarthy deserves more, um, more criticism for how terribly Ireland <laughs> did in the games against those two countries. So uh, very petty, I know, but Denmark and Switzerland are just completely bomb. Uh, would bring me some satisfaction. Yeah, like I can, I can definitely see it happen. To be honest, I think the Danish side haven't performed in the last two tournaments. I do think they have a. A fairly solid midfield in Hoiberg and, and, and Thomas Delaney um, to kind of keep them in matches but and, and with Ericsson there as well they, they can do stuff but further up the field how are they scoring goals how are they going to get through it and then at the back you know when they're under pressure at set pieces I don't I don't see them really doing a great deal and I think if they do play Turkey in that second round um, they're going to get it um, they're going to get it done really mm. So uh, that's been our Euros preview coverage. I don't know what our actual Euros coverage will look like too much yet. I'm sure we'll we'll take it as it comes. Uh, that yeah. first first big game, I believe, is kind of the England one on Sunday afternoon. I'm sure we'll have coverage after that as well. Um, given that uh, we know so many of these English players, um, and Scotland should have played by then as well. Um, by Monday, I think all of the home nations will have played that are in this. So uh, we'll have good coverage of that, I'm sure. Uh, but until then... Thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Declan. And thank you and to Raul Albiol for getting called into the Spain squad as we were recording. <laughs> really? Wow. Ahead of Sergio Ramos. That is, that's very funny. It is. Um, <laughs> I, I hope we see some more stuff like that. How many players can Spain get through before they have to bring up Sergio Ramos? <laughs> that no, is... not show either, you know. There's, there's a few players that are going to be disappointed by this, but maybe it's uh, a COVID uh, type of situation a COVID conscious decision maybe Mm. 
Uh, but until then, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to tell your family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. This show can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. You can also subscribe to my own Substack at declanhart.substack.com, where I publish two weekly newsletters that will often go further in-depth on topics discussed during our shows. Those pieces can also be found on Medium at medium.com slash at cheesyheartbun, H-I-R-T-E. You can also follow Andrew on Twitter at combon27 and myself at cheesyheartbun. Most of all, thank you for listening and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.